On this episode of Resi Week, we wrap up 2021, looking back at three of the most popular stories of 2021. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Rosie Week, episode 308, a look back at 2021. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Just Add Power and by Audio. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for AVNation.TV. This week, uh, we have no guests. We are going to look back at the whole of 2021 and highlight the news that made the most impact throughout the year. Uh, let's get started with a story that cannot be understated. Uh, it is the current supply chain issue. It has been a uh, a large list of factors that have, have led up to this issue, including the lack of workers at the height of the pandemic, the semiconductor shortage caused by the droughts, and all the other issues in manufacturing countries like Taiwan, etc., the blockage of the Suez Canal back in March. Uh, this issue has affected not just the AV industry or the electronic manufacturer uh, industry as a whole, but literally every single vertical and business. Uh, as we start at Resi Week 265, as the news was just starting to emerge and talked with Mitchell Klein about the factors that come into play with this shortage and what integrators can do in the midst of it. Okay, so first of all, I can give you the perspective from uh, Silicon Labs, and you know we're we're providing silicon for everyone from Tesla to uh, uh, to, to microphones and to uh, a lot of consumer electronics. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you you've got basically three companies that are really building these these high-end chips, these high-quality chips. Now, when you take one of them and say, okay, let's let's boycott them, let's prevent them from coming in. So you, what you have is the perfect storm. Yep. Perfect storm. Couldn't be any better than this, right? Between the fire of the, the um, company in Japan, which was, you know, a little bit of a setback, but not, not terrible. Then you end up with a trade war. So then you've got, okay, a good maybe a third of the supply line that we can't bring into the U.S. We can't build products. Mm -hmm. Then you had a pandemic on top of that where the chip companies shut down manufacturing because of pandemic issues. Then add on top of that, demand for wafers is only going to continue to grow dramatically every year. I mean, look at the stock market, look at companies, maybe ours, look at others. Um, everything has a chip in it. And if it doesn't, it will, period. And that, that's everything, you name it. So where are these all going to come from when you've really only got three factories supplying them? Well, I think we have to look past that. And you got Samsung, who's one of the big ones building more, but that's more Samsung. Yeah. So, you know, where are we going to go with that? Well, let's just say that it's an enormous opportunity for me. I'm thrilled. This is great. Um, I'm not the sales guy that has to tell my, my company, uh, my customer, I should say, that I'm going to give you 30% of your orders now, right? Yeah. Um, but demand's up. And I think overall, this is going to be a good thing because we're going to realize we're relying on so few for such a big, big thing. We'll see where it goes. Very good. Giles, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're on for this one um, because one of the biggest things that that we've seen kind of as a, a, a an effect of this has been 
obviously the lack of consumer electronics that have been available. If you tried to buy a receiver last, you know, the last three, four months, you are waiting three to four months. Uh, we have, I know specifically we have a project that we sold uh, the middle of October. We got the check, we placed the order. We still haven't got that receiver. It's still not even in our, our, our supplier's warehouse to come to us. It's the 1st of March. How do integrators deal with this level of scarcity in products? There, there, there's been, you know, there's been a couple articles about it. There's been a couple, there's been lots of ranting on Facebook about, oh, yeah. you know, manufacturers not keeping up. And, you know, some manufacturers seem to get more hate about that than others. We're not going to name any names on that one. Um, but it, it's something where I know our, our company, we've procured product anywhere we can just to close the deal. How do you go about in March of 2021, quoting projects where you need product that you have no idea when you might be able to get your hands on it? Well, I just, I think this is a huge issue for integrators because as we all know, the majority of integrators don't, don't keep in, don't have inventory, don't, don't keep stock. And I, and I can see having been a past integrator myself where there can be challenges here, like the sort of time scales that you mentioned there, Matt, you know how hard it is to get clients to pay in advance for product. If you're, if you're saying in you're going to have to pay, if you're in general, actually, yes, in general. So if you're asking for customers to pay three months in advance, and then you're, there's no guarantee you're even going to get the product after three months. It's a huge issue. I can see also um, potential problems as well for integrators where they then have to select equipment that they're maybe not used to working with. So having to settle for other equipment. So there could be reliabilities, reliability and performance issues with the, with the systems that they're installing. But, um, or maybe having to go for, um, you know, less, less high quality product so there's maybe performance issues as well but um i think the only way around it is to keep the dialogue with the customer open and just and just be very clear with them up front and that's the best thing that integrators can really do but as mitch said it is an absolute sort of perfect storm really and um i think ultimately unfortunately the homeowner is, is probably going to be the one that suffers the most because of the product that's actually installed is not necessarily what the integrator would want to install if it was a first choice and how many of your products, uh, Giles, are sitting outside the port of Los Angeles on a container ship that they can't bring in? So, you know, add that too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So eBay can be your friend then, right? It can be. Not a lot of uh, integrators make much money from uh, purchasing from eBay, but, you know, maybe, maybe it moves more to integrators also um, sort of adopting more of a servicing model for customers as well, if customers are procuring their own equipment. But again, it gets into a really difficult territory there because integrators are working with products that they're not used to. So either way, it's not a great situation for the industry right now. But the conditions might enable a, an integrator to give a logical reason why you need to give me the money up front. I need to order the stuff four months ahead or something, right? Absolutely. Is, is, the, is the situation, dare I say, dire enough now that to Mitch's point, you can effectively go to your client and say, hey, you know, A, we need full payment for equipment up front because we're ordering it, we're submitting our payments and we have to get you into a queue. And then yeah. be able to not not to tie the two stories together, but pull up a Best Buy website and say, "See, nothing." 
Even Best Buy has nothing. Are we to that point? I think it could create a sense of urgency for sure. I mean, it's kind of weird to think of it that way, right? A sense of urgency, but it's like, hurry up and wait. Give me your money now so that maybe in this year we can fulfill your entire project. But I also think the homeowners being hit from that through plumbing, through mm -hmm. GCs, you know, everybody's pouring money into their homes and I'm sure they're, I just went and got new appliances and I got hit with, we don't have that. What's the next option? Yeah. And that right there is kind of cool too. What's the next option? I'll take the better model or two up from where you had me at, if that's available. Our next story may not come as a shock to uh, the majority of you, but if you uh, have been seeing the signs, it was made official this year that Logitech would be closing down the Harmony line of universal remotes. Now, while they're not necessarily, you know, the go-to for everyone, they were the number one best known, you know, entry level multifunction remotes. Logitech had acquired the original manufacturers of the Harmony remote back in 2004 when universal remotes were just the next big thing uh, in the public eye. But now in the success of streaming services and smartphones, uh, remotes have stagnated in their popularity and usefulness uh, for a lot of the general public. In Resi Week 271, Bradford Ben starts up talking about how the industry and its technology has grown since the rise of universal remotes and what integrators sh could be showcasing for their customers in its stead. I agree with you that it's the last of the mass market mm. configurable remotes for those who want to dive into smart things and using the valve uh, open architecture to create your own panels or doing other home automations such as you know we can pick many of them i think there are a couple on you know that someone might know some something about this <laughs> uh so i i do think it is it's important to say it's the off the shelf Yes. User configurable, not yes. the non-user configurable. Uh, I do think it's a sea change of things that might not be obvious to everyone. And I might be wrong. Is it the end of the, is it the end of the era of, because obviously there's a, there's a slew of professionally installed solutions. That's what, you know, my company does all day. That's part of what Alex supports. Is this the end of an era for DIY without digging really deep into, you know, building your own panels, et cetera? I, I think so, but I also think it's not needed as much. Uh, I'll use this as a couple examples. You know, HDMI, high, high density media interface or high definition media interface, depending who you ask, has CEC control, which is consumer mm -hmm. electronics control. So you got all my acronyms spelled I see out. This. Thank you. But what it allows you to do is all of a sudden the remotes start talking across HDMI and they're starting to get smarter. So like my Apple TV controls my receipt, controls my display, controls the volume on my home theater, does this, does that. And I don't need a smarter remote because the devices themselves are starting to get smarter and understand that for a home theater system, not necessarily the high end, you know, million dollar home theater system that's always going to need customization, but the $2,000 consumer buy it at a box store, put it in together for it to be successful, the pieces have to work together. And I think that's why Harmony started to lose traction and many of the programmable remotes 
started to lose traction uh, because I didn't have to do anything to configure my devices to start talking with each other. I just plugged in my HDMIs and started using the remote and my display can control my Apple TV. My Apple TV can control my display. My remote can control Blu-ray. And it's like, I have one remote. I didn't have to customize anything. Does it do everything I want perfectly? No. Is it good enough to hit 80% of the time, which is what the market wants. And the other 20%, I keep the remotes in the arm of the couch, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think, I don't think it's, it's a loss. I think it's migration and the marketplace needing and pushing to have this integrated into the smarter products into making it easier for someone to use. I, once again, I'll go back to my standard. Apple didn't invite, invent the IP, the MP3. Apple just made it the easiest thing to use with the iPod. Whereas before MP3s were you need to be a nerd that could download them, transfer them, burn them to a CD, do something with them. And it made the interface work and it made that successful. That's yeah. the same thing. A lot of the manufacturers are doing with this and then you add on on top of it kind of as a detour how many devices already have wi-fi smart remotes that they have an app for so do you need a harmony remote at that point you know i can control my my display off my phone Mm -hmm. it's perfectly fine i can write and if then that if i really want to get custom customization in there i don't really need an ir customized device now because so much is ip control and that's internet protocol (laughs) thank you yeah i'll I'll just jump in here i mean i I think there are a number of interesting dynamics at play the first one is just full you know being fully transparent one of the most requested products we get is to build a josh remote um you know it's the type of thing where if you're controlling a tv by voice control it's great if you want to go right to a certain piece of content or if you want to switch to an input, it's really annoying if you want to browse, mm-hmm. right? The idea of just navigating around a Netflix interface by voice is not ideal. And, and we get the requests all the time because as many people, um, you know, as there are who enjoy Control 4, just as many don't. And same with Crestron, same with Savant, and sometimes it's a matter of cost. And so we have plenty of dealers that like to use the Harmony remote in a Josh environment as your handheld universal remote. And as a result, many, many months ago, we got a call that this was going to happen. And, you know, it was a very hush-hush call. It was, you know, early on. But we reached out to Logitech and we said, look, we get the request for something like this all the time. If you're really going to, you know, moonlight this product, do you have any interest in selling? Do you have any interest in divesting or doing anything? We literally did not get a response back for many, many, many months until it kind of became publicly known. And the response that came back was, yeah, we're not really interested in doing anything with this. We're just going to shut it down. And that's a little disheartening because I feel like someone, be it us or someone else, could make something of value here. And so then you ask yourself the question, are they shutting it down because ultimately it's a product that is losing its its need in the industry? Is it is it kind of losing its, you know, its numbers? Or does it just not make sense for Logitech? And I firmly believe it's the latter. I I truly believe from what we're seeing, people want a universal remote. They want something like what Harmony does, what Neo does, what Crestron does. It's a needed product. 
the price points tend to be pretty high for these products. So a low cost product that doesn't rely on a control system makes sense. But one of the stats that I've seen flown around, and I don't know if it's true or not, the stat that I've seen is that Harmony accounts for less than 5% of Logitech's revenue, yeah. but something like 95% of their you know, support calls. And so it makes sense when you're a company that's generating a billion dollars in revenue, if a product line's making you 50 million bucks, but you're, you know, your staff is largely way towards maintaining that product, you're dealing with a lot of support, it's integrating with lots of products that are constantly updating and changing, it might just not make sense for them. But I do believe that the product category makes sense for someone, for others. Um, and so I, I think for, for the time being, this might drive certain dealers and customers up a little bit to do more Crestron, do more Control 4, do more Savant. Um, but I also think it's going to open up, open up the, the opportunity for more startups. Um, there are a couple I, I know I can't talk about, but that will be releasing in the next year or two that are trying to do sort of a competing product with really interesting cutting edge features. And so I don't think this product category is going away, um, but I do think it makes sense for Logitech based on just how much bigger their other product lines are for their business. Is it, is it something, Alex, where, to, to Bradford's point, for a lot of systems, you can get away with using an Apple TV remote, the, the Samsung or the Sony remote that comes with the TV, the cable company's remote, and do 90% of what you need to do in the average you know, TV system. When you look at Harmony, it, it never seemed to make enough inroads in the CI channel. It was so heavily DIY. Is that kind of the going to be the, the continual issue for anybody playing in this space that so, yeah, DIY so is so tech support heavy? Uh, just just, just to, to kind of cut you off on that one, they didn't make inroads into the CI space because they didn't want to. They truly didn't integrate with other companies. They didn't want to. They didn't open that up. They didn't build a business model that made sense for dealers. A lot of companies see, you know, Nest got acquired for over $3 billion. They look at Sonos's consumer business. They look at a lot of these DIY products and they feel like that's the path towards success where the reality is this channel is a, a very strong channel for a lot of products. And I do think they could have tried a little bit harder to integrate and create a sales cycle that made sense for, for the business that we're in. And if they had done so, I think we would have seen a lot more integrators adopting the products because I do think they're great products. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I know from a, a business and an integration perspective, they really didn't, they not only didn't make it easy, they didn't even try, I shouldn't even say that, they put up barriers. They made it yeah. intentionally difficult for our channel to work with them. Our last story almost ties in with the previous one as the Connectivity Standards Alliance rebranded their project chip standard into Matter. This partnership includes many manufacturers like Amazon, Apple, Google, Samsung, and more. This new standard focuses on the prim principles of simplicity, interoperability, and security to change the smart home landscape. We talked with Mitchell Klein in ResiWeek 280 to discuss why Matter should matter to integrators in the residential space. Just to fully understand it, that project uh, connected home over IP mm -hmm. is a subset. You're a, you're a member of the Zigbee Alliance, and then you kind of join up with the working group uh, that was developing it. And I think it's really important to understand that the intent is for complete interoperability and to make things just work mm -hmm. together. 
And when you say that, you also must understand that there's millions and hundreds of millions of devices out in the marketplaces all around the world that will not be turned off because in order for the promise of matter to be realized, all those hundreds of millions of devices must also work within that same uh, matter platform. And it will. But what we also have to recognize is it's going to start off small with a few mm -hmm. things and continue to grow from, from that point on. So from a Z-Wave perspective, we're thrilled because we've been saying this for 20 yeah. years. Things must interoperate. Uh, things must be backwards compatible. Things must be secure. And again, I can go on and on, and I'd actually let like uh, maybe perhaps my associate here, Mariush, can really speak to a number of those uh, promises that Z-Wave makes that we expect will be fulfilled through the matter group as well. well that's a really good question, Marius. When you, when you see this from the alarm.com standpoint, that's a huge consumer-facing brand, right? When people buy into ADC, they're assuming that all of their smart products are just going to work on that platform. And the majority of them do, but obviously there's, there's always an outlier that doesn't. What is matter mean to 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 you guys from the adc side and to mitch's point uh from the z-wave side so again we welcome interoperability i think that's spot on where the industry needs to go right and again to mitch's point we've been there for 20 or so years and when you look at the market that you enter as a let's say security dealer they come into the house the the last thing they want to say is oh by the way for our system to work you have to replace your door lock thermostat garage door opener, that's not what we do. We would rather focus on getting all those devices work together. So again, interoperable standards are very welcome in, uh, in, in our business, right? That allows us to deploy the system much easier and not worry about one-offs. Yeah, very good. Jamie, it, my con concern every time I see a new standard is we usually have just got our, our customer base to sort of understand even just the terminology <laughs> that we're talking about. The second that, right. you know, GAFA starts talking about chip, it's another thing that is, you know, again, part of matter, et cetera. But it, it, it's another phrase. It's another term. Is there anything we can do as integrators to really help our, our clients understand that? Or is it something that we kind of just need to, again, take the approach of, yeah, we're just going to make everything work? I think our approach should be that we're the filter through which information flows to our clients. And we need to know what's happening. We need to know the trajectory of their, their system that we're putting in their house. And as much as possible, have our eye to the future. Um, but I don't know if we need to talk about every technology possibility between the standards and what have you because it'll change you know, a week later or a month later, or by the time they actually move in. Um, so I, I think that we need to be aware of this, certainly, and talk amongst ourselves and learn in our industry and let our clients know there's changes on, on the horizon, similar to um, you know the analog sunset when everything went digital and we went from component to HDMI. There was a transition there, and we knew in our industry that that was happening before a lot of consumers. Yeah. So we could... We could hold them back by continuing one type of old infrastructure or we could move them forward in a digital way um 
So I think that's our approach, really. I'm excited to see this. Mitch, I've known you've been talking about interoperability um, since you asked me to volunteer for CEDIA, you know, over almost a decade ago. Yep. So um, I think this is fantastic, really. Yeah, just let me point out one other thing, Matt, um, which wasn't mentioned in the article, that, uh, again, to geek out just a little bit, Matter is only an application layer, and it's going to require network and transports and FIs and all those other aspects. And so for the time being, the, the group has landed upon Thread, which is basically nothing more than a network standard, mm -hmm. and Wi-Fi, which we all know is a network standard. And those two do not interoperate. Yeah. And so in order for those to for that promising, and this is just the beginning mm -hmm. of it, they actually have to have this thing that I guess they're calling a border router. We can call it a gateway. You can call it a hub. Essentially, they're all one and the same. And the purpose is, at this point, is to make sure that thread devices work with Wi-Fi devices. Yeah. And you can easily move on from that and say, okay, and Zigbee devices, and Z-Wave devices, and Bluetooth. So you can see where that's going to go, and that's where the promise is. Ian, let, let's let's wrap this before we move on. My concern every time I see uh, partnerships and, and alliances and everything else, especially with the big four brands, is that at some point they might get bored and move on. Is that a concern or is this a big enough entity that we will be less concerned with that? Uh, I think, you know, what the work that Mitch has been doing for so long on, on interoperability, this whole conversation we're having, the fact that we've got Apple, Google, Amazon, and those people a part of this program is showing you that, that, that there is some serious movement behind this and support that will continue to, to go on for a long time. I don't personally don't see from a, from being in control systems and, and, um, and integrating homes and, and trying to get platforms to communicate together. I see this as a very big positive. Um, I wanted to touch on one thing. I know I've heard some concerns of people thinking that this is going to take business or work away from integrators. And in fact, I think it's the exact opposite, um, that it's going to help the, the platforms um, be more connected and allow for more opportunities. Um, and it may be that there's less custom coding on the back end, but means there's more ability to integrate subsystems and there's more design opportunities available. So I think this is a, a very good opportunity for the industry as a whole. Add to that, Ian, the fact that customers will have good experiences. Yep. And I think that's really important too. Mitch, let me, let me just ask you this before we move on. What can manufacturers do to bring their, their existing customers who have, you know, Z-Wave and, and a variety of devices into this platform? Well, I mean, I can put on my Silicon Labs hat and say that what we're looking at here really are building blocks. Mm -hmm. And so essentially there'll be a block that will say, okay, Z-Wave, here's how you're going to connect to Matter. Matter, here's how you're going to connect to Z-Wave. So if you're manufacturing Z-Wave products right now, keep on going because you've got the best platform that exists with the best ecosystems out there. And yeah, you will be able to work with Matter devices as well. Just a matter of time. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, uh, you can reach me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them 
out as well. Uh, thanks again for watching uh, and, and listening to every episode we've had this year. 2021 has been entertaining to say the least, uh, but we're looking forward to a great slew of shows for 2022. Hopefully you can join us. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.